Thing to hear from God. Can you lift up your voice where you are standing? Just close your eyes and talk to God. You know, Jesus one day he said to the people that came out, he said, what did you come to see? Who did you come to see? Is it a reed shaken by the wind? Or what did you come to see? Is it a prophet that you came to see? Jesus was asking them, what is your expectation made up of? When sometimes when we come to church, Sometimes when we come to church, we, are, we don't ask ourselves that question. Who did you come to see? What did you come to do? But when you come into the presence of God, make sure that it's Jesus that you came to see. In the presence of God, the most important person is Jesus. The most important person is Jesus. He's the only one who has what you are trusting him for. So I'm asking the question that Jesus asked. This morning, who did you come to see? If you have an expectation, can you raise it to Jesus? Can you lift it to Jesus right now? I need an encounter from your presence. It is my encounters that may count so that I will not come into your presence this morning and return the same way. Let's not be comfortable with coming into church and returning the same way. Let's always ask the Lord and remind God that this is Mount Zion. And therefore, there should be a difference in my life whenever I fellowship in Mount Zion. If you go to a beer parlor, whether you drank or not, you will begin to smell like that drink. If you go to a smoking joint, whether you join them or not, you will begin to smell cigarettes. Let's not enter into God's presence. Let's not come into Mount Zion. A company of innumerable angels where the father of all spirits is and the mediator of the new covenant, the blood of Jesus is. And we return without any difference to our souls, without a difference to our spirit and without a difference to our lives. Let us recognize that in the presence of God, every desire can be made. Every heart cry can be answered. And every prayer God can give a reply to. I have a message from the Lord. Hallelujah. This message unto you. I'll give
first service, we thank you because the quick work you will do in our midst. We thank you for gathering your people in chapel of praise again. We bless your name, mighty God, because according to scriptures and from experience, we have seen that you have never gathered your people in vain. Therefore, we pray, let everyone's desire, let the blessing you have ordained for everyone attendee of this first service, let every blessing, every anointing, every answer to prayer, every expectation, every testimony that you have ordained for everyone here in this first service, the portion for the first service, may we all take delivery of it in the name of Jesus Christ. I thought you had an expectation that it been, would have been louder. Come on, chapel of praise. Can you shout a louder? Amen. Hallelujah. God bless you. Take your seat quickly. God's presence. Amen. Always be grateful to God for the opportunity to stand here. I always be grateful to God. It's always a blessing to stand here and to speak to God's people. Chapel of praise. Can you celebrate yourself? I celebrate. It's amazing. Hallelujah. I also want to thank God for um, our mother, Reverend Mama Utobongumore. So sweet in the mouth. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. And I thank God for every executive and every one of the leadership of Chapel of Praise. And every one of you that has been around sustaining God's work. I trust the Lord that your reward, it will not only be in heaven, but the Lord will bring it to you even here in the name of Jesus. Amen. Can you say believe in amen? Are you happy to be in God's house this morning? Is someone happy to be in God's house this morning? All right, go ahead and shout a happy amen. amen. That sounds like a complaining amen. Just go ahead and shout a happy hallelujah. Praise God. All right, so I've been dealing on the subject of salvation. Hallelujah. Salvation is free. Praise God. And I, want to, I just want to, um, from salvation share three things under the subject of salvation and then we bless the name of the Lord in this first service. Do you, are you aware that the word salvation, you know, I, I hardly like doing this, but I want to just, in order to bring a summary to everything I want to say, I want to help somebody here. The word salvation is a direct translation from the Greek word soteria. Soteria. Media, I gave you something. Yes, soteria. Soteria, soteria. So, the Greek word translated salvation, which is soteria. So, when the Bible, of course, you know that the Bible was first of all written in Greek. That's the New Testament. It was first of all written in Greek and Aramaic. And so, when the Holy Ghost delivered inspiration, he delivered it in Greek language. When King James gave the authorization to interpret the Bible into English, that's when some certain challenges started coming in. So when they pick the word soteria, they will look for an English word that is the nearest in meaning. Those of you that wrote jam, I don't mean the one that uh, they sent one to ten. A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Uh, you know, because I saw that cheat one time. I was almost confused. How will I know number 11? Those of you, you can relate to what I'm saying. They used to send a, B, C, D, A, B, C, D, A, B, C, D, U. I don't know how you people used to know that it's, this one is number 11, this one is number 12. I mean, those that wrote jam, you went to jam lesson and you practiced for jam. You know that, you remember that time they used to say nearest in meaning. Do you understand what I'm saying? It means that there is no sufficient word to capture the exact meaning of this word. So they are asking you to find what? Nearest in meaning. 
So when the time came to translate the Bible to the English language, they looked for the nearest in meaning to each Greek word in order to bring understanding to us who do not speak Greek language. And so the word soteria is translated in English as salvation. The challenge came when we already knew salvation to mean deliverance from sin alone. And so when a believer receives salvation, what he or she believes that he receives is that I am saved from sin. But every other provision that was wrapped up in the original Greek word, soteria, he is oblivious to it. He is not aware that soteria does not only mean salvation from sin. In fact, when you pick up the Bible also in the Greek word, you find out that in a place that English calls healing, in the Greek word is also translated as what? Soteria. And so, when you want to start gaining understanding of what God has procured for you, you will sometimes, not every time, sometimes you will need to go to the original translation that the Holy Ghost gave inspiration. In order to know what a particular English word Jesus actually meant when he gave that word to be put in the Bible. When you want to know what does this word truly encompass for me as a believer, sometimes you will need to go to the Greek word. And that's what I wanted to do this morning. Soteria does not only mean deliverance from sin. Soteria means deliverance from sickness. Soteria means deliverance from failure. Soteria means deliverance from poverty. When Jesus gave you a new life at salvation, that life did not only remove you from sin and its influences, it removed you that same minute from sickness and poverty. It removed you that same minute from failure. And that is why a believer is not permitted or allowed to be sick. Let me, let me explain. James chapter 5 verse 16. I just, let me just help a, a bit. James chapter 5 verse 16. When they were writing this Bible, the, you know, the, old, the New Testament Christians had this understanding, so it was normal. James chapter 5 verse 16. He said, maybe you can help us from verse 14. Verse 14. Now, this question was asked to the church. Meanwhile, if you read James chapter 1 verse 1, there was a James, an apostle of Jesus, to the brethren scattered across the world. So the book of James was directly written to believers. And so, one day, James sat up and said, is any among you what? Sick. Why is that a question? It, because in those days, it was strange to believe that somebody that came and received soteria still has the ability to be sick. Is any among you failing? Because soteria did not just mean deliverance from sin, but deliverance from failure too. Is any among you in poverty? A, a question had to be asked. Is there anybody? Because it's not normal that somebody who has received salvation to go through those things. So that's why it was not expected that we will do miracles and healing crusades in church. It was not. We had to ask questions. Is there anybody in church that is experiencing failure in academics? Come, there is help. Let's, let's help you. But on the normal basis, Soteria provided for deliverance out of all of those things. And so salvation does not just mean that you were saved from sin. That day that you were saved from sin, you were saved from sickness. You will save from poverty. You will save from affliction. 
and you were saved from oppression. Now, let, let, me, let me help you. Do you know why the cross is the symbol of Christianity? You know, there are so many things that can be found in church. A speaker can be found in church. A keyboard can be found in church. A mic is even what the pastor uses to preach. But the mic was not used as a symbol of Christianity. When Christianity wants to be expressed, when we look for a symbol to identify Christianity, eh, what is used? A cross. Am I right? Because the cross expresses and symbolizes that Jesus Christ had finished every single work as it concerns a believer. The cross is the symbol that as it concerns someone who is saved, Jesus had finished the work. It is on the cross that Jesus fought and finished all the battles. It is on the cross that Jesus exchanged failure. It is on the cross that Jesus exchanged sickness. It is on the cross that Jesus ex exchanged poverty. It is on the cross that Jesus exchanged sin. So when they now look for a symbol to capture all of the provisions that Christ has made for us, there was none that could capture it sufficiently as the cross. First Corinthians chapter 1 verse 17 to 18, Paul said that me, as I am now, I don't even want to preach anything. Paul said, I, from me as an apostle, I know nothing except Jesus crucified. If the cross is all you know, then you know all you need. That's it. He said, for Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Lest the cross of Christ be made known effect. He said, for the preaching of the cross to them that perish full foolishness, but unto us that are saved, it is the power of God. If you go to verse 24, he said, I desire to know nothing except Christ crucified. I, I didn't want anything. If all that you have as a believer is an understanding of what happened on the cross, then even Satan will not have a reply to your life again. If all that you have is the cross. That's Apostle Paul. There were many things Apostle Paul would have wanted to know. He said, well, if I can know Christ crucified, it is enough. Because the cross symbolizes every single provision that Jesus has made for you. Salvation. Academic excellence. If you bring the cross like this, Satan is here to find an answer for the cross. Do you, the cross was done publicly. The, do you know that do you know that Satan's greatest mistake is killing Jesus? Are you aware? Help us with 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Satan's greatest mistake. If you call Satan now and tell him that eh, uh, what, what's the greatest mistake you've ever done in this your life? We tell you it was killing Jesus. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. It's going to be a long reading. So read with me. And I brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom. Declaring unto you the testimony of God. And in verse 2, he said, For I determined not to know anything among you. That's Paul. I determined, I, as, as an apostle unto Jesus, I didn't want, my focus was not in, there are many mysteries I would have sought to seek and to understand. I would have loved to be a very powerful man. But I determined not to know anything save Jesus the Christ and him crucified. Because if all that the believer has is the cross, then you have all that is enough. If all that you have is the cross. In verse 3, And I was between weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And then my preaching and my speech was not with enticing words of man wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. Verse 5, That your faith not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Verse 6, How be it we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, Yet, not the wisdom of this world, nor the princes of this world, 
that come to not verse 7 he said but we speak the wisdom of God that is in a mystery even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory stay here a bit he said there is one wisdom that is hidden there is a particular nature of wisdom that is hidden not from you but hidden for do you understand what I'm saying there is a wisdom that is he, that there is a glory that your life should carry. There is an, a glory that your academic should carry. There is a glory that your finances should carry. And then there is the wisdom necessary to arrive at that glory. He said it is hidden. Now, most times you can translate this scripture to say it is hidden from you so that you can search it out. He will give you the answer in the next verse. He said it is hidden unto our glory. It is actually hidden from the world. And it is available to us so that the world will not have access to the dimensions of glory that a believer should have access to in order that they will come back to you and ask you questions how you are accomplishing this thing and so it is hidden for our and glory and in verse 8 it tells us the location of this wisdom he said which none of the princes of this world knew for had they known it they would not have what the greatest mistake Satan did was killing Jesus because in killing Jesus he gave Jesus an opportunity to wrap up all of the possibilities in the cross and once the cross is there and still speaking Satan does not have an answer to the cross that's why if he knew the Bible said if they knew they would not have crucified Jesus if he knew if he knew and so any so they devil's labor now is to hide the wisdom of the cross from believers since this wisdom is for our glory and is wrapped up in the cross so the devil's labor now is not to stop you from coming to church it's to stop you from understanding the wisdom of the cross because the cross is what brought salvation without the cross there will be no salvation and then salvation is now what permitted us to be delivered from every, every, every. Wrapped up in the cross is every provision that you desire. Wrapped up. Let me show you. Wrapped up in the cross. Let's, let's talk about academic excellence. Matthew chapter 11 verse 19. Wrapped up in the cross that Jesus died is all the provisions that you desire. Matthew 11 verse 19. Okay. It's the same scripture but give us Luke 7 verse 35. He says, wisdom, wisdom is justified of children, of her children. So wisdom is the heritage of believers and believers alone. You see, the world might have wisdom, but the Bible is telling us that that one will be foolishness. The kind of wisdom that will produce mighty works in your academics is not a, is not a prayer point that God does not want to give to you. The Bible is telling us that it's already the heritage of children. It's already the heritage of children. It's an inheritance that belongs to you if you are a child of God. When a, a child, when a, a child of a rich man is in a, the inheritances that the child has access to, is what the father has. What Jesus is saying here is that wisdom naturally belongs to children. And the question is, if you are a child of God, then why is there a lack of wisdom in your academics? You didn't understand the cross. Because when you stand at the cross, then everything that Jesus had procured at the cross, Satan does not have an answer again. But the farther away you stand, 
you lack the legitimacy to claim it. It's in the cross. So if you are far from an understanding that salvation came because a man died on the cross and you decide to do your own Christianity far from the cross, you lack legitimacy to claim what the cross procured for you. But when you have a revelation that it is by the cross that we have Christianity, in fact, it has become the symbol of Christianity, Satan will start lacking arguments over your, your expectations. Second Corinthians chapter 8 verse 9. He said, Jesus became poor. Jesus did what? I didn't hear you. Jesus did what? For he know grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That though he was what? Rich. Yet for your sakes he became what? That what will happen? Throw his poverty man. So where, where is the understanding? Where did you get the understanding from that it is abnormal for a believer to be rich? The Bible says that Jesus was poor because out of that provision we should become wealthy. Now, Jesus was poor, am I right? Jesus was poor. Jesus was poor. But at one time, Jesus needed a treasurer to hold money, a bag of money. The Bible is trying to say that that level of wealth that Jesus needed a treasurer to count his own money is still poverty compared to what God had procured for you. Is it a poor man that needs a treasurer? Yeah, man. He's, he needed Judas Iscariot to hold a bag of money. It's not a purse. It's not a wallet. It's what? A bag. The Bible says here that that was poverty compared to the dimensions of wealth that is possible to every believer. And that's why if you're among those that used to criticize people, that believers that genuinely come into wealth, just be asking God for forgiveness. It, it's because you have not seen it. When you see it, your mouth will keep quiet. <laughs> when you, the day you start seeing it, your mouth will do what? Okay, they've just understood the provisions of the cross. Sometimes you think that it is by labor also that you get rich. It is not just by labor. There are provisions of the cross. There are provisions of the cross. In Philippians chapter 4 verse 18, Paul, Paul was speaking to the church in Philippi and said, no other church, if you read before then, he said, no other church communicated to me concerning giving as the church in Macedonia. He said, but I've told you to give, give. But I'm not telling you to give because I am poor. He said in verse 18, he said, but I am what? Fool and I what? Abound. I said, I am prosperous, I am stinkingly wealthy. I'm not asking you to give for me. I'm telling you to give so that your account in heaven might be made rich. That's Apostle Paul. He was not poor. Don't let anybody deceive you. The apostles were not poor. They had so much money that they were sharing. They had a daily ration for widows. In Acts chapter 6, the problem came when some widows were eating more than some widows. Christianity is not, a, is not a poor religion. You, you cannot okay, just decide to try poverty eh, for once. You know how your life has always been. <laughs> just imagine when God brings wealth into you. Christianity is not a poor religion. It costs money to preach the gospel. In case you don't need, know why you need to be wealthy, be wealthy for the sake of the gospel. It costs what? Sometimes, find out how much it takes to run one Sunday morning service. One Sunday morning service. In the cost of fear, 
in the cost of mic batteries, in the cost of maintaining what it needs to be. Just find out the cost. You will know that the, your school fees for a semester eh, is not enough for you coming into this place every, every week. If you want to use your school fees and calculate how many days you come to church, your service will finish. They would, after two months, they will tell you that you have exhausted your school fees. <laughs> you need to pay additional school fees. In order to be able to enter church, you need to pay additional school fees. So the kingdom of God, the Bible says in Zechariah chapter 1 verse 17, will find expansion when we believers come into prosperity. Not just prosperity in order to oppress somebody. Not just prosperity in order to carry shoulder. It's prosperity in order to advance the gospel of God. And do you know why Jesus' name is the most powerful? Matthew chapter 28 verse 18 and 19. When Jesus had procured the, pro the cross and they had killed Jesus and in their mind they have succeeded. They didn't know that by virtue of killing Jesus, he's giving Jesus an opportunity to go into hell. Because had Jesus been alive, he would have not had the opportunity to conquer Satan in hell. And so everything was staged and Satan was the fool. And he killed Jesus. And when Jesus went into hell, conquered Satan and came out in Matthew chapter 28 verse 18, he said, all power. You cannot make such statement until you fight battles. You cannot say all power has been given to me when it is only on the earth and in heaven that you lived. There was a reason Jesus went to hell. So that when he will make this statement and say all power, even Satan will agree that truly all what? Power has been given to me in heaven and in earth. And then when he made that statement, what was the next thing he said? He said, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them. What instrument will you use to manifest all power that I've given to you? What's the instrument? I can't hear you. Can you read it for me? What's it? In the name. Till today, Satan is yet to find a response when someone calls the name of Jesus. Till today, salvation is by the name of Jesus. In fact, that is why they advise you to pray in the name of Jesus. You are advised to end your prayer and to begin your prayer in the name of Jesus because once the name of Jesus is added to every prayer, it becomes a fence that Satan cannot break down. All power is given to me and it is wrapped up in the name. It is wrapped up. So when you are going Go with what? In the name. In Philippians, there is only one response that Satan has to the name. In Philippians chapter 2 verse 6, he said, At the name of Jesus the Christ. He said, Wherefore God has highly exalted him and has given him a name above every other name that at the name of Jesus every knee must bow and every tongue must confess that Jesus is Lord. There is only one response. Whenever you stand out and make demands on the cross, what God has procured for you on the cross, and you seal it with the name, Satan doesn't have a response. Satan is still looking. He's still finding a way to respond, respond to the name of Jesus. Once you place it alongside whatever, in Songs of Solomon chapter 1 verse 3, the Bible tells us the secret that is in the name. He said, anointing is poured into the name. Every day, anointing, ointment, it's service. He said, because of the service of thy good ointment, thy name is as what? Ointment that is poured forth. I wish I can give you an example. When you call the name Jesus, what you are doing is you are spraying an anointing over a certain matter. 
So when you stand, for example, over your academics as you are about to write an exam and declare the name of Jesus, the anointing packaged within Jesus in which he declared all power, this he given to me, that's what is poured forth. That's what is poured forth. When you stand and say over sickness, the name of Jesus, the Bible says, what is happening in the spirit realm? It's an anointing is poured out. And that anointing is called all power. And that's why Satan cannot have a response. He doesn't have a choice. He doesn't. Only, it has already been written that every knee must bow and every tongue must confess. It's the last bus stop for a believer. When you stand at the cross and call the name of Jesus, when you stand at the cross and call the name of Jesus, when you stand at the cross and call the name of Jesus, you have defeated Satan. It's not you, it's Jesus. So by those two combinations, you have revoked the defeat that Satan suffered 2,000 years plus ago. And because it happened and all I saw, therefore, Satan does not have a reply. The name of Jesus. So whenever you see the cross, remember that your sorrows are finished. Whenever you see the cross, remember that failure in academics is finished. Whenever you see the cross, remember that afflictions are finished. Whenever you see the cross, remember that sorrow, eh? sickness, poverty has finished. And that's why if I were you, I will find a way throughout my life. And throughout this semester, I will make sure that my habitation is at the foot of the cross. I will not go far from the cross. So that when Satan brings challenge, when he attempts to bring failure, when he attempts to bring sickness, all you need to do to is what? Point to the cross. The cross is the symbol that he was defeated many years ago. And once that symbol still stands in your life, Satan doesn't have a response. The cross is where Jesus said, it is finished. So when you call the cross, then it is finished. That's the last. And that's why every believer that understands this mystery, when it has choked, all you need to do is remember the cross. It's on the cross that Jesus said what? It is finished. It is finished. It is finished. It is finished. So do you, do you, know, do you know why? It is finished is the last statement Jesus made on the cross. Are you aware? Are you aware of that? Yes. The Bible says in John chapter 17. I believe John chapter 17. Uh, media, if you can help us find it quickly. Hmm. John 19 verse 30. John 19 verse 30. Wherefore, Jesus had received the vinegar. He said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. It is finished is the last statement Jesus made on the cross. Do you also know that it's only John that records this statement? That Matthew, Mark, and Luke did not record this statement. Now, the, the, truth, the simple truth of the matter is that the cross is meant for those who will remain after many are gone. John was the last disciple that stayed with Jesus till the last minute. Peter had already gone to warm himself up with strange fire. It is finished. It is only those who are the remnants that will hear it. If you read up this verse, the Bible says Jesus looked. Everybody had left. And then it was now John and his mother. And I said, son, behold thy mother. Mother, behold thy son. It is finished. He left. It is finished. Is wrapped up for those who will remain. When temptations come, will you give up or will you stay? 
when challenges come meanwhile it was wisdom that they've arrested jesus therefore run for your life if you stay they might arrest you too and they were telling peter you were with this guy peter said god forbid i was not with him just like all throughout this semester there will be opportunities that Satan will bring temptations in order for you to deny, in order to, for you to fall back into the world, in order for you to go back to the very things that Jesus saved you from. The problem is, it is only those who will stay until the end. It is only those who will outstage um, Satan that will be at the time when the cross will answer. The cross is not magic. It's not when you call it, it answers. When you call on the cross, the cross will stand and wait to see if you will wait. To stand and say to see if he will stay. He will stand and wait to see if he will give up. Remember, I always say this. I've written it somewhere in my house. That if I don't give up, Satan will give up. It's a battle. We'll see who will give up. I already have an assurance that the cross will come true for me. Who will come true for you, Satan? I'm not wasting time. It is finished. Was only heard by John. Because John was the one that stayed to the end. Every other scenario that surrounded Jesus is dead. Matthew, Mark, and Luke wrote it by reported speech. They wrote it by the things they heard. It was John that was there to the last minute. And that's why if you want to find details of Jesus' death, you go to John. He was there till the end. They looked, if he, was, he faced the risk of being arrested, the risk of being laughed at, the risk of being mocked. Do you know another thing? It is finished was a whisper. It was not a loud statement. It is only those that are close that will hear. Just like Jesus will bring your own, it is finished. Will you hear? Will you be found at the foot of the cross when he will bring your victory? When he will bring your success? When he will bring your own prosperity? Will you still be at the foot of the cross? Or will he allow something to take you away? Mind you, temptations will come. That's certain. Every believer is meant to face temptations. There are times when you begin to question the validity of your Christian experience. All of those things is to see whether you will stay until your own it is finished. Remember, it is until Jesus said it is finished that he was now crowned in heaven. Until he finished, it was not finished. Until your own battles and temptations are finished and you are still found standing, that is when you get your own crown. It is finished. It is finished. It's not everybody that will hear. It is those who stand at the cross till the end. It is a whisper. You won't hear. Every other person recorded that Jesus shouted and gave a loud cry and gave up the ghost. It's because it was a loud cry. So they could hear it from where they were standing. They didn't hear the statement. They only heard the loud cry. John alone heard the loud cry and heard it is finished. And without John, we wouldn't have been privileged to enter into the finished works of the cross. Some of you, your generations and your family will enter the finished works just because you stayed until you and heard it is finished. Just because you stayed and then it is finished. So when temptation comes, John James chapter 1 verse 2 to 4, when temptation comes, it comes to try you, to test your patience if it will stay till it is finished. That's what temptation comes to do. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. Listen, he said, let patience have a perfect work, that ye may be what? Perfect. In your academics, perfect. In your finances, perfect. Spiritually, perfect. An entire one thing, nothing. You will die in poverty, failure, all of the things that challenge you until you have outstayed Satan at the place of temptations. He said, it is only when temptation is done that you will now be wanting nothing. When you see men of God today and you celebrate them, it appears like they want nothing. Ask them about their story. They will tell you that there were days that temptations came 
and they were, they were the ones that persevered until the end. My question to you is, will you persevere until the end? Rise up on your feet. The cross, the name, and it is finished. If you forget anything this morning, the cross, the name, and it is finished. If you forget anything this morning, salvation is soteria, and the way to it is the cross, the name, and it is finished. Salvation means soteria, saved from sickness, saved from disease, saved from sin, saved from failure. A child of God is not allowed to fail academically. A child of God is not meant to be poor financially. A child of God is not meant to suffer afflictions. A child of God is not meant to be sick. Soteria is saved from all of these things. But it must be at the foot of the cross that you take delivery. And at the mention of the name. And also number three, until you have heard it is finished for your own self. Concerning your academics, God can tell you it is finished this morning. Concerning your life and destiny, God can tell you it is finished this morning. Concerning everything that surrounds your family, oh, God can tell you it is finished. Can you lift up your voice where you are standing? If you feel like, if you feel like, if you feel like, if you want to, just lift up your voice and begin to thank the Lord. Number one, that it is finished. It is finished. The cross signifies the finished works of Christ. Shakapare Sapayas. Oh, it is finished for somebody. That suffering, it is finished. Huh? That sickness, no more. That hardship, no more. Failure, every semester. We're living in lack and want. Huh? Salvation came that you will come out of those things. Soteria. It is Soteria. It is Soteria. It is Soteria. Soteria, it is finished. Kalabaladea Sapas. Rakasabrona Mesanis. Some of you need to tell Jesus, I come to the foot of the cross. Run out here to this altar. If you are among those that want to say, Jesus, I come to the foot of the cross. I've been living far away. I've been living far away. I've been doing Christianity from a distance. I come to the foot of the cross. If you are like that person, step out now. Rush to the altar now. I want to live at the foot of the cross. Rush to the altar now. I am Aladeale. Come to the foot of the cross now. It is at the foot of the cross that there is victory. It is at the foot of the cross. When you point your hands and your fingers and you show Satan the cross, it does not have a defense anymore. It does not have a defense or an answer. I will stay at the cross until I hear it is finished. I will stay at the cross until I hear it is finished. I will stand. I will kneel at the cross. I will kneel at the cross until it is finished. I will kneel. In the name of Jesus. I provide your life. I provide your destiny. I provide your academics. I provide your finances. By the anointing of the Holy Ghost that is being poured out by right this moment, that every affliction, every oppression, every symptoms of failure, near success syndrome, whatever it is, challenges in your result in your academics. Every time you lack and beg into a semester, you suffer to pay fees. And every other challenge that Satan had brought upon you, right now, this morning, by the revelation of the cross, by the revelation of the name of Jesus, as you come to the foot of the cross, I decree concerning you, it is finished! Am I speaking to believers in this house? 
I decree to you, it is finished. In the name of Jesus. Whatever Jesus had procured on the cross, whatever provision is on the cross, whatever blessing in the cross, whatever anointing in the cross, whatever power in the cross that you are yet to experience in your life, I declare as an anointed of the Lord, it is finished. In the name of Jesus the Christ. Anybody under the sound of my voice that there is still a symptom of sickness, migraine, abdominal pain, issues, uh, whatever also has retained and stayed and has tried to outstay you by the anointing in the name of the Lord this morning. I decree it is finished. Oh my God, whatever generational cause. Generational altar. It happened to my father. It happened to my mother. It happened to my siblings. It happened to my four parents. And again, it's attempting to happen in your life as you come to the foot of the cross this morning. I decree it is finished. Whatever arguments Satan had concerning you, and has used that as a legal ground to afflict your life. By your revelation of understand, understanding of soteria this morning, I decree in the name of Jesus, the resurrected Lord, that it is finished. It is finished. It is finished. Can somebody shout it is finished? I can't hear you. Shout it is finished. Receive all the glory in the name of Jesus we pray.